you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I thought y'all forgot, missed the whole thing, uh, but we're still in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 about the gospel, and um, we'll be preaching on the enemy of the gospel just for about 10 minutes, let y'all go early, get home safely. Uh, we are, um, uh, want to make sure the kids get home early, so you might want to take some kids home and relieve the bus driver if he's overtaxed. After that situation up in Mexico, County, I want to be extremely careful, extremely careful. Um, these precious cargo children. First Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to go back to Proverbs and chapter 28. First Thessalonians chapter 2, I believe we left off for the, and I've been through this chapter in two ways. Number one, looking at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But last week I got all caught up on the gospel, brother. Um, Steve, that the gospel is the answer. The gospel is what he brings into those prisons at Rock of Ages around this world. And if we didn't have the gospel, why go in? You know, and the gospel stays after he leaves, and the gospel convicts, and the death, burial, and resurrection is the message everybody needs. And we see the entrance of the gospel. Uh, found in these verses, and I thank God for Isaiah 55, 11, says that, he, that uh, his word will never return void. But um, Paul reminds us about his entrance, and he entered, he entered with the gospel. He says it several times in this chapter, and what a blessing it is to see that he was just uh, so consumed with walking according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw the evidence of the gospel. That's found in verse 13. It says this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God which we heard of us, we received it not as the word of men, but as, but it is in truth the word of God. Amen? Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Folks, it's not the word of man, it's the word of God. We ought to honor the Word of God by living the Word of God. And folks, the evidence of the gospel was Paul was thanking God for their receptiveness. I thank God the way you listen and the way you receive it. And it's really encouraged me over the years to have a church that loves God's Word, not just loves singing. We ain't going to build this church on singing. I like good singing or singing. I like it. I like it a lot. I miss the choir. Look forward to the day we sing again. Uh, I'd like to have a men's quartet formed. Every time uh, Jeremy goes off and gets to church, the men's quartet flops and falls and breaks up. We don't get it again, amen? And uh, I'd like to have a ladies' trio, and I'd like to have more singing. But I want to tell you something, folks. This, this, this church is not built on singing. It's built on the Word of God. The primacy of preaching is very important. And I want you to notice the word received. It carries the idea of readily and warmly welcome. God's Word into their heart. And then look at the word engrafted. It says, For this cause we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which we heard of us, you received it as the Word, not a Word of men, but as the Word of truth. And James chapter 1 says that we ought to engraft the Word of God. It should become a part of us. And then we see the command to preach the Word of God. In chapter um, 2, verse 4, it says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, we preach, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. 
God help churches that are nothing but a political party. There's a campaigner in the pulpit. I sometimes say a polar bar in the pulpit and icicles in the pew. Amen. I mean, he's dead as a doornail. And they made the, the, the uh, congregation sovereign when God ought to be sovereign. But folks, I want to tell you something. There's leaders that, that want to please the crowd. And folks, we're not here to please the crowd. We're pleased to please men and we're to please God, I mean, please God and God knows our heart. And I don't think we ought to offend everybody, but thank God we ought to realize that God is offended when we don't preach the Word of God. And thus, He is offended when we don't live it, when we don't walk it, when we want to desire it. We don't have a heart for it. We don't, we're not faithful to, to hear it. And folks, it affects everything about our life. Look at Proverbs chapter 28, and um, let me know when the buses are loading up, and I'll shut her down. But in Proverbs 28, verse 9, the Bible says this. Turn there, please. Real quick, I mean, enjoyed that prayer meeting. Say amen. We might just do it Sunday morning. That'll really shake up some people. But I ain't here to shake up people. I'm here to, to get a hold of the horns of the altar and pray for God's mercy. Thank God for for mercy. Amen. We need it. But look at Proverbs chapter twenty-eight, verse nine. It says, "He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be an abomination." You ought to underline that, folks. Abomination means makes God sick. Men with men in a sexual way make God sick. Ladies with ladies being married uh, in California, endorsed and wanting to spread it to the whole, this agenda so wicked, so wicked, so anti-family. Uh, it's against the nuclear family. Black Lives Matter is against the family. And folks, I'm not, I'm not saying that we ought to, not uh, love everybody, and, and you know our church loves everybody. We send my own kids to, to Africa. We're not racist. We're not prejudiced. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to realize that God has a plan. God has, a, 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 has His word on the family. It's men with ladies for a lifetime. Amen. A, a lady with a lifetime. It's, uh, it's two become one, and they magnify God. They model His love. Folks, they, they show the covenant of God. Uh, son with the, uh, with the bride, the church. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful institution called marriage. Amen. Life begins at conception. All this if we, is called an abomination to God. The Bible says a man to look like a woman is abomination to God. You shouldn't look like a woman. You ought not dress like a woman, act like a woman. Amen. I don't even wear pink until they started doing this uh, cancer awareness and now I got me a pink tie and tried to honor Jennifer, and, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but I believe you ought to walk like a man, talk like a man. Amen? Uh, I mean, good night. We live in a wicked, and, and, uh, uh, and the Bible calls it abomination. Now, if the Bible calls it abomination, we ought to call it abomination. It's wrong. It's sin. It's exceedingly sinful. And folks, if we turn our ears away from that, our prayers are abomination. How about that? Folks, that is, a, that is a convicting verse that our prayers will just make God sick. So if you don't live it and you don't walk it and you're not faithful and you don't love God's Word and you're not faithful to hear God's Word and read God's Word and memorize God's Word, your prayers make God sick. That's strong, isn't it? And I'm not making this up. I'm just preaching the Word of God. And so, folks, I don't want to be making God sick with my prayers. 
Matter of fact, there's ever a time we need to be in touch with God, it's now. Oh, God, help us not to let some alt or some little problem or some thing that's less important than eternity get our prayers out of, out of sync with God's Holy Spirit that leads us and literally escorts us into the presence of God. That's the Holy Ghost. He knows the will of God better than we know the will of God. He knows God better than we know God. And He knows ourselves better than we know ourselves. And He knows what we need more than you, you, you know what you need. He knows the will of God. That's what the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, that the Holy Ghost is our escort into His presence. And so Paul was so blessed that uh, these folks were receptive but I want, to see, I want you to see this, folks, is that he believed in the effectual working of the Scripture. The effectual working of the Scripture. Um, he not only believed in the initial conviction of the gospel on a soul. That's why we ought to plan it, plan it, plan it. Matter of fact, I'm a little concerned. There's a little too many uh, missionary cards on that rack out there. We ought to get another rack. We need to get more gospel. Because, folks, I want to tell you something. We need more gospel going around this area before we send missionaries all over the other area. Amen. We need to be missionaries right here. So let's get a card rack and a track rack, but let's don't ever let the tracks get low again. Amen. I pulled them out here the other day and that man alive. I said, we need to order some more tracks and we need to get the gospel out more. And I believe we've all got lax and lazy during this pandemic. Say amen. I know I have. Uh, we'd rather make a phone call than make a visit because we're scared. Praise God, I think you ought to go out and knock on doors. You don't have to go in the house and sip tea and cookies, but praise God, go knock on some doors. There's people out knocking on doors right now for Trump and Biden and Harris and Pence and for Loftner or whatever she, her name is. And, and uh, all these, I mean, they're out knocking on doors in the middle of the rain. The storm's not going to stop them because they got to get their candidate in. And that's fine and well. But I want to tell you something, friend. We have a Lord God that's worthy of representation. And he, we're his ambassadors. And if we're not adhering to the Word of God, living the Word of God, and spreading the Word of God, our prayers are abomination to God. That brings me to my last point, and I'll close. The Bible says, Verse 14, for you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which is in Judea and Christ Jesus, and you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and they are contrary to all men. And it says, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sin always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face which with great desire. And here it is. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. Folks, I want you to know there was extreme wickedness of sinners against the gospel. In verse 15 through 16. But in verse 17 through 18, there was the enemy of the gospel. 
Paul was taken away. The word taken carries the idea of being torn away, separated from his family. He had to probably be in exile. And Paul's endeavor in verse 17 was he had a heart for his church. He wanted to be there. There's something wrong if you don't want to be here. You ought to long for the house of God. You ought to long for preaching. You ought to long for fellowship. You ought to long for a prayer meeting like we just experienced. We ought to long for the presence of God. And folks, if we, if we don't sense the presence of God during a prayer meeting, something's wrong. And so we have an enemy. I'll preach on that next week. Got to close. I'll preach on it Sunday night too. But I want to tell you something, folks. Satan is a real enemy. And I want to tell you something. He's having a heyday in the name of liberalism, humanism, and human rights, and free speech. He's having a heyday. And this world's going to hell by the acre. And people are ODing more than ever before. And there's drug addicts and drug addiction and liquor addiction. And families breaking up. One out of two marriages in America are breaking up. The devil's having a heyday in these last days. And we need to have some militant prayer warriors to say, Satan, you ain't getting my family. and You're not getting my church. I think we ought to say you ain't getting our country. Amen. I mean, we ought to be militant. Let me just close with this. There's a few names found in the Bible. I had them all listed on this nice slide that we can't even put up. But that's no problem. No problem. Amen. I preached before you even, even had. I preached without a PA system. Amen. In a storefront. Just screened everything. Amen. I thought preaching was getting a Sunday school lesson and just screaming it. Amen. So that's what I did. Amen. But look at uh, look at look at this these titles through the Bible and I'll close. Number one, the Bible in Revelation twelve ten. You ain't got time to write this down. Calls the devil an adversary. He's our enemy. In First Peter chapter five verse eight. Um, draw nigh to God, folks. James chapter four. He'll draw nigh to you, but. Folks, we have a roaring lion seeking to devour you, 1 Peter 5 eight. He's an adversary. I want to tell you what he wants to devour, your faith. You know what he wants to devour? Your faithfulness. I'll tell you what he really wants to devour, your testimony. And it's too valuable for you to lose. I can't preach every one of these names. In Revelation 9-11, he's called the angel of the bottomless pit. I mean, the devil is really giving me a hard time today because he knew he was going to be exposed. The devil... Matthew 4.1, that's what he's called, the devil, slanderer. Uh, he's called the enemy in Matthew 13.39. He's the father of all lies, John 8.44. That's why I don't trust politicians that lie. Say amen right there. Because the father of it is the devil. I'll tell the truth. I'll tell the truth. Lying spirit. Lying spirit. Murderer, John 8, 44. Old serpent, Revelation 12, 9. Power of darkness, Colossians 1, 13. Don't get caught up in all this Halloween stuff. Some of it's not innocent. Some of it's not innocent. A lot of the homosexuals get out of the closet on Halloween night. Abduct children. Kidnap children. You got to be careful about even letting your child go to a door now because they might have razor blades in the apples and stuff. It's pathetic. 
Thank God we have an alternative to Halloween. It's called a fall festival. Folks, um, he's the prince of the devils, Matthew 12, 24. He's the ruler of darkness of the world, Ephesians 6, 12. He's, he's the spirit, little s, that worketh in the children of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 2. He's the tempter, Matthew 4, 3. He's the unclean spirit, Matthew 12, verse 43. And he is, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, the wicked one. And so, folks, he's the prince and power there. The devil has forces. He has a method. He has a method. I'll tell you what that method is. If you'll look, please, at um, uh, verse 20, 18, it says, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. The word hindered is a military term. It means to cut off or make the road impassable. Cutting up a road to stop an enemy from advancing. Time and time again, Paul had attempted to be with the church of Thessalonica, but Satan had cut him off. I'm going to tell you this, friend. The devil is a master at detours. The devil's a master at deception. The devil's a master of of planting pride in your life where you think it's all about you when it should be all about God. He's a master disturber. He's a master demoter. He's a master despiser. He's a master deluder. He's a, he's a master defiler. He's a master denouncer. He's a master di diverter, distorter, depraver. He's a master of the demons. He's a master of all discord and even master of despair. But we have the Holy Spirit. And greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. And folks, I want you to take this word if you don't get nothing else out of it. Satan hindered us. We're in a warfare. I wish somebody would preach this message the day I got saved. It's not tiptoeing through the tulips having a merry good time, and let's all be happy all the time, which I thought the Christian life was because I was a son of a drunk, and I said it's got to get better. But folks, it's more like a minefield, and it's a warfare. And you don't even know where the mines, the explosives are buried, and we need God. Satan is trying his best to get a foothold in a nation that began with God. And we were endowed by God to be that nation. One nation under God. With liberty and justice. And folks, I don't know how we got this far gone. But I don't think we'll give it up without a fight. And the fight is that greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. And the fight is on our knees. And the only way we can put on the whole armor of God is to pray in the Spirit. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful night. I'm so glad I got to be here. Can't wait to preach on the rapture next Wednesday. It'll be so encouraging. We'll be out of here soon. Lord, thank you for these verses that tell us about the evidence of the gospel, but also, Lord, the enemy of the gospel. 
We have an adversary, the devil. Lord, he wants to he wants to devour our testimonies. He wants to devour our desire, our heart. He wants to divide and conquer. That's his strategy. Lord, we know how the devil works. We know the strategy. We thank you, dear God, you've given us the word of God to shed light on his subtle ways. God, I praise you for the truth. The truth of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Not just stated, but Lord, declared by you after you came out of that grave and as you ascended to heaven. And Lord, as you forewarned us, you're coming again. So Lord, help us. As a nation, help us. But Lord, we know revival starts in our own heart. With every head bowed, every eye closed, time to go. And I want to tell you something. I appreciate you praying with us tonight. I appreciate his presence. I appreciate we had a sweet hour of prayer. Maybe we should have prayed the whole time. But I wanted to admonish you not to give up in the fight and not to underestimate the fight. Put on the whole armor of God by praying always for all saints in the Spirit. That's our that's our that's our victory. That's our victory. Let me say, preacher, God has convicted me about my prayer life tonight. God has convicted me about the power of the gospel that I need to be living it more. And I need to be sharing it more, and I need to be preaching it and teaching it doing everything I can to get the lost and dying world the gospel. And so I pray that God would use me as your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? i got to lift mine up. Oh, I want God to use me. I don't want to retire. I want to refire. I don't want to ease up. I don't want to let up, give up. I don't want to recant. I just want to stay by the stuff, don't you? I want to be faithful until God calls me home. Amen, Brother Lamar. I just want to be faithful. Is there anyone here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved? It'd be a shame for you to go through a prayer meeting like this and you couldn't even pray because you don't know the Father in heaven. And you say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? Anyone? You're not sure you're saved. Father, thank you for this sweet service because of your sweet presence. And God, thank you for your powerful gospel. May we, dear God, treasure the Word of God and not only treasure it, but dear God, be a good steward of it by sharing it and living it. No matter how tough it gets, we might be going under persecution for the next four years. I don't know. But God, help us to stand faithful. and Help us, Lord, to stand in your power and your might. And God, we just pray again for our country. We love America. We thank you, God, for all that you've done to bless America. God, we pray the revival would start in us and in our church. God, that our country would come back to you. We'll thank you in Jesus' name.